Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Today's reading comes from 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 13 to 18. So David and his men, about 600, left Kilach and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kilach, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was, in, was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him to find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. God bless to us the reading of his word. Well, good morning, everyone. It's been at least one sermon, maybe two or three, that I've not uh, relied on a movie illustration. So the movie came out in 1995. It was really cute, but no one would have imagined the impact that it would have on society and culture. In fact, it took the world by surprise. The movie? Toy Story. The Toy Story series, the animated marvelous fun of Woody, his best friend Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond, and all of their toy friends, was a huge success. Toy Story 4, in and of itself, years later that came out, the movie sales and DVDs did over $1 billion in sales. That's a lot of DVDs sold. A lot of movie tickets purchased. If you take all four of the movies as a set, not including the toys, the figurines, the stationery, the shirts, the clothing, and all the royalties of any shape or form, Just ticket sales and DVD sales alone, $3.5 billion. That's with a B, billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Why? Because it's so cute, it's so fantastic. It's not the reason. The reason is because Toy Story cuts to the core of really connecting with our hearts and us as people. Something that we all understand, young and old alike, and it makes it very simple to comprehend and illustrate through the film. You see, I think we all have a desire to be fully loved and fully accepted. And one of our fears for every single one of us is that there would come a point in our life that we're not needed anymore. That our self-worth, our value diminishes and depletes. And we can't find meaning. 
We're not needed anymore, and we're thrown away. We're pushed aside. We're done. We're over. We're thrown out. And I think the connection for so many people in life is, what about a marriage that doesn't need you anymore? What about a job where you hear the words redundant? Your vocation, your passion? No thanks, you're not needed anymore. Maybe in a situation as you get older and you can't take care of yourself and your independence depletes and goes by the wayside. A burden. In fact, the theme song to the movie is a song that really connects and it resonates. And if we're honest, all of us want to hear it over and over and be reminded again and again. You know the tune? You got a friend in me. And that's all I'm going to sing for you. <laughs> you got a friend in me. Such a fun, loving sentiment that puts a smile on your face and a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. Mark Twain said this, said, if you die and you have one real friend, you have been a wealthy person. Amen. So let me ask you, how many of you would love to have one more awesome, amazing friend in your life? You'd love to have one more. Well, two of you, so you guys should meet and be friends, right? <laughs> How many of you guys would love to have amazing new friends in your life? All right, now we're awake. Yes. Absolutely. Those friendships that's just like, you pick up right where you left off. Those friends that know everything about you and they still accept you anyways. Great friendships. I want to welcome you to our new series, Real Friends, where the rubber hits the road, that we're not meant to do life alone. We actually need other people. But developing these kind of real friends, having these kind of connections to people, it takes a lot of work. There's a lot of learning along the way. It takes a lot of listening, guys, active listening, a lot of forgiveness, and a lot of investment of time and energy. Speaking of time, I hear that uh, we have a very special celebration today. A celebration of marriage longer than I've been alive. I want to recognize two people. I was a little worried, Warren, because she wasn't sitting next to you at the beginning of service. <laughs> but I hear it's 50 years of wedded bliss this weekend. So Julie's bringing over a little gift and token. Warren, I think it's a little more for Heather than you, but maybe not. I don't know. Happy anniversary to you, too. So not only have the people around us or people married 50 years or more know what it's like to be real friends, you figure out how to be husband and wife. All the bumps and bruises, all the goods, the bads, all the wonderful memories, 
It's very special. So I want to dig into friendships and answer the question of why. Why we ought to intentionally invest in one another and have real friends to do life with. So here's one of the reasons for spiritual growth. For what? Two people are still with me. This is good. I know Pastor Richard's away this morning, but uh, humor me, right? For spiritual growth. So here's what Romans 1 says. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. We need each other. That's a simple enough reason of why to develop amazing and awesome friendships. Here's a second reason. You need friends in your life for better health. Let's try this again. For what? Yes, you guys are getting it now. All right, we're on a roll. So better health, both physically and emotionally. Are the friends that surround yourself, this is a question for you, are the friends that surround yourself with good for you, both physically and emotionally? The people that are immediately around you, that spend a lot of time with you, are they good for you in your health and your emotional well-being? Here's my thoughts. In the world around you, there are two different types of people. I'm going to call them VDPs and VIPs. We kind of understand what a VIP is, right? We go to the concerts and wish, I wish I was a VIP. We go to the show and thought, I wish I had VIP tickets. Here's what I think they are. The VDPs are very dependent people. These are the leeches. These are the people that just suck the life and energy right out of you. That whenever they're around you, whenever you depart, you feel exhausted and drained. Because they look to you for everything. Affirmation, encouragement, wisdom. It's exhausting. Surround yourself with a group of VDPs and you're going to burn out. Point blank. It's exhausting work. Every time you're around them, it just feels like they drain something immediately from you. And then there's the people that I call VIPs. A little bit different than what you've probably interpreted before, but very inspirational people. The people that when you get around them, you feel like you've been lifted up. You feel good about life. You feel good about yourself. You feel good about that friendship. And you're like, I'm ready to conquer the world. Do you have any VIPs in your life? I hope so. It's great stuff. They've inspired you instead of tiring you. Listen to this. The California Department of Mental Health has discovered that people, and I, and I think this proves to be true across the pond to us here in New Zealand, that people who don't have friends are two to three times more likely to die an early death. Remember what I said about physical, emotional health? Plays into it. Four times more likely to suffer from emotional burnout, five times more likely to suffer clinical depression, and ten times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. That's deep. One of the reasons is because with friends you have somewhere to kind of unload your emotional baggage. 
to process life with, to unwind, to unplug, and create a safe space to just be. It's where we recharge our batteries, if you will. Here's how James 5 says it. Admit your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here's a phrase you might want to write down, and I think it's very, very true. It says this, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. And all God's people said, amen. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to get to a point of vulnerability to share what's really going on inside here? If we know that healing is an end result, why is it so hard to become vulnerable? We need more real friends. You need to surround yourself with the VIPs. Here's another reason to have friends. Little English lesson for you, for all you grammar uh, people. It's just more funner. <laughs> it's true. It's just more funner. You might say that's not a word, and I say it is. I just said it. Because there's fun, and there's funner than fun. So I'm going to say real friends are more funner. Make sense? Follow my logic with that? It's just more funner. You know life was meant to be enjoyed, not endured. But the reality is this. You can have all the possessions in the world, all the money in the world, all the pleasures in the world. But if your relationships stink, life's miserable. Life's tough. It's just more funner when you have great friends with you. So here's the last reason that I'll say to have awesome friends. It's to reach your goals. It's to reach your goals. Here's how Ecclesiastes 4 says it. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. Makes sense, doesn't it? More the merrier. Many hands make light work. Charles Lindenberg became known around the world overnight, literally, I use an aviation illustration and Pastor Richard's not here. <laughs> when at age 25, he flew nonstop in a solo airplane by himself from New York to Paris. It's a long trip by yourself. Do you remember the name of the plane? I know Pastor Richard would. Ah, you got it. Spirit of St. Louis, or what we say in the U.S., St. Louis. And, and he became the solo pilot, for, the first one to do it. But the reality is this. He didn't do it alone, did he? No way he could have done that alone. Any great thing that's been done has never been done alone. Think about it. He had a company that produced the airplane. He had people that helped him finance others on both ends that worked very closely with him to plan out the trip, the route, watch the weather. It was a team effort. I've heard some guys say it this way. Or perhaps an African proverb, if you will. If you ever get to a fence post and you see a turtle on it, always know that he didn't get there by himself. <laughs> so true. Anything great in life, you need other people. This is a good reminder to you and I. Don't do it alone. If you want to set out and you want to achieve some goals, get other people involved. Don't write down your goals and keep them to yourself because the reality is they might be there 10 years down the road. 
If you want real accountability, if you want real encouragement, if you want to get real about the goals that you're setting in life, share them with the real friends around you. Because they're going to come back to you and they're going to say, how's your goals going? Are are you achieving what you set out to do? And they're going to encourage you. They're going to push you. They're going to be there to stand in and stand up when the going gets tough to reach your goals. Don't hide them away in a little box between you and Jesus. Because Jesus put people in your life to achieve some great and amazing things. Share it with the people around you. Here's how Romans 12 says it. We are all parts of God's one body, and each one of us belongs to each other. And each of us need all others. So turn to the person on both sides of you right now and say, I need you. Go ahead. Now, watch how this works. Turn back to the same people and say, you need me. Tell them. Now, think very carefully of which person to turn to and turn to them and say, can I have $1,000? Did anybody get a yes? You need more real friends in your life, see? Oh, Denver, yeah. Denver and Joan are sharing. That's beautiful. All right. So those are some of the reasons. So let me ask you, how many of you would really love to have one more really awesome friend in your life? Yeah. I think we all have room for that. So here's four golden rules of how to establish and build great relationships. Can I say this? If you're married, try to implement these golden rules in your home and in your marriage. I think it'll change some things. So here's the first golden rule. Invest some time. You have to invest time. So I want you to think about a moment where somebody invested their time in your life. They hit the pause button, whatever they were doing, and they just simply focused on you. Simply put, it was amazing the fact that they would drop whatever it is they were doing and give you their full focus and intention. Just you. Could have been for mere seconds or even hours. Do you have that memory? Is it etched away in there? Does it make your heart flutter a little bit? Does it give you a a, a token of excitement and appreciation for that memory? How does it make you feel? It's quite special. To build awesome friendships, there's an investment. A cost of time and energy. I heard this and I think it's really good. An awesome friend is a friend who invests in you. Knowing that you can't pay them back. An awesome friend is someone who invests in you. Knowing you cannot pay them back. 
That's a good friend. Here's how Proverbs 18 says it. A man that has friends must show himself friendly. How many of you have ever heard of the golden rule? If you've been in church a long time, you know the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Pretty good thing to remember. So catch this. If you want more awesome friends in your life, you take the initiative. You and I must make the effort. The ball is in our court because it takes effort. It doesn't just simply happen with a sprinkle of fairy dust and imagination. Real friends are worth it, but it takes time. It takes energy. It takes intentionality. My wife received a gift from overseas this week, and I didn't know she was going to actually bring it to church with her this morning. If you saw her walking around with a coffee bug, one of her BFFs, her best friends, there's three of them, that spend all the time in the world together ever since they were young. That whenever we're on the same continent, they're together. They talk every day. Even since we're here in New Zealand, every day they're messaging back and forth. They are great and wonderful friends. And Becca received a package just yesterday in the mail, and she unwrapped it, and it was this coffee mug. $55 U.S. to ship it here to New Zealand. <laughs> That's a real friend. <laughs> Made me think of the time one of my best friends sent an can, empty can of Dr. Pepper and an empty shotgun shell from opening day of duck season back home. Said, Josh, I was thinking about you. I it would have been full, but I don't like you that much. <laughs> Postage was a little expensive. But how special, but you know the neat thing about this? As soon as Becca saw this coffee mug, she said, I kid you not, this week I almost bought the same thing for Stephanie and Liz. She saw the same exact coffee mug, and she just thought of her best friends. Those special times together, those special moments. So what are the special moments that impact and change your life? Here's how the song in Toy Story says it. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, just remember what your old pal said. You've got a friend in me. You have to invest time. Here's a second golden rule. It is you have to build trust. Without trust, there's no friendship. That's why in marriage, when trust is broken, it's very difficult to repair. All right? Integrity in all relationships. You can talk to acquaintances, but you trust your friends. Here's how Proverbs 20 says it. Many people claim to be a friend, but it's rare. Think about that. It's rare to find someone who is truly trustworthy. So if you and I want to be trustworthy, to build an awesome friendship, how do we do that? Here's a couple thoughts, a couple ways to build that trust. First of all, be reliable. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let people count on you. They know that you will carry through on what you've said. You're good on your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simple as that. Proverbs 17 says this, a friend loves at all times. Another part of being reliable is that you can keep confidences, you can keep secrets. 
So if you say something like this, I can keep a secret. I really can. It's the people I tell that can't, and it makes me mad when they don't. It frustrates me. Sometimes we have a problem with not keeping things in confidence. And it ruins the safety net of relationships. Everybody in life needs a person that's safe. So the question is, are you and I safe? Really? Can you and I be trusted in such a confidential way? Because the mark of a true friend is they know everything about you and they're still your friend. That's a real friend. Proverbs 11 says a true friend will keep a secret. It's a good friend. So here's another way to build trust. When you're loyal. I'll tell you a story about loyal Bill and George. They were very loyal friends and they had this routine that for decades they would get together. In fact, one of the things that they did every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock is they went out and they went golfing together. They were very loyal to one another. And one November morning, Bill's wife wakes him up at 5.30 and says, don't even think about getting out of bed. It's nasty out. It is raining cats and dogs out there. It's really coming down, and it's getting colder by the minute. So don't even get out of bed. He says, uh-uh, no way. George is counting on me, and I've got to be there. She says, it's going to be miserable. He says, I don't care. I got to go. He was a real friend. So he goes, and noon rolls around, and he's not back. Three o'clock, still not home. Five o'clock, not a word to be heard. 7.30, it's been dark for hours. And he finally arrives back home. Looks like he's been through a car wash. He slumps down in his chair. Wife looks at him and says, it was miserable, wasn't it? It was terrible, he said. He says, I told you the weather was bad. Was it bad? It was horrendous. She says, I told you. I told you. He says, the weather wasn't the worst part. On the second hole, George had a heart attack. She says, oh my word. He says, the whole rest of the round, it was hit the ball, drag George. Hit the ball. Drag George. Hit the ball. Drag George. A loyal friend. To have a loyal friend like that, I don't know. Loyalty is a term that we don't talk about very much anymore. Because to be honest, as a whole, it's hard to find loyalty in the world around us. The workplace, the home, friendships people we meet at church. It's hard to find that these days. Proverbs 17 says it this way, a true friend is always loyal. In the good and the bad. Yesterday, Avery, our second born, turned 13. This is the portion of the, uh, the message and the church service where you begin to fast and pray for your pastor because I now have two teenagers in my home. And one big excitement for her yesterday was getting social media. Lord, help me. 
But what about when things go bad on social media? Many of us are on social media, and I think of the times where someone irritates you or they frustrate you, and you unfollow or you unfriend. Whoa. When you hit that unfriend button, that's, that's serious. Throw in the first punch. If you and I have a friend that does something that frustrates us or that we don't particularly like, what do we do with them? Do we unfriend them? Do we unfollow them? What do you do? So let me ask you this. What do you hope God does every time you mess up? Every time you blow it? I'm glad he doesn't unfollow Josh Bolin. I'm glad he never unfriended me. He sticks in there. He's loyal. And he loves me unconditionally. The third golden rule, you have to give unconditional acceptance. And this is big. How many of you would admit that you have flaws? You guys are in church, let's be honest. We have flaws, each and every one of us. We have hang-ups. We have bad habits. We have things in our lives that annoy our spouse, our family, our friends, the people that know us best. We all have them. Unconditional friends say that even when they find out, they're still your friend. Said it already. Here's how Romans 15, 7 says it. Accept one another. I don't like this next part. Just as Christ has accepted you, then God will be glorified. That means to show unconditional love and grace to the people that frustrate me, to the people that hurt me, just as Jesus did for me. Think about how Christ has accepted you. I'd like to hope it's a little easier for Jesus to accept me now as 40-year-old Josh Boland than 15-year-old Josh Boland. I hope I'm growing closer and closer to the likeness of Jesus. But you know what? It was the same when I was 15 and now when I'm 40. Jesus says, I love you. I think you're incredibly amazing. How do we show similar unconditional love and acceptance to the people around us? Proverbs 17 says, overlooking a person's faults cultivates love, but nagging about them destroys friendships. So here's how the Toy Story song says it. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am, than I am bigger and stronger too, maybe, but none of them will ever love you the way I do. It's me and it's you. The fourth and final golden rule you have to celebrate the other person. When you celebrate somebody else and you rejoice in them, some great things happen, even when things aren't going well for you. Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who what? Rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. Awesome friends will always lift you higher, even if it's higher than them. That's key. Awesome friends will always want you to expand and become everything that you can be, even if that extends beyond them. If you and I wait for people to celebrate us, and we look at us being celebrated, 
you're going to have a miserable life. Why? Because you're always trying to find the next thing that you can be celebrated for. To where someone can come and pat you on the back, pump you up, and encourage you. But if you start looking to celebrate anything else that somebody else can be celebrated in, you're going to have a marvelous life. Because there's always something to celebrate about someone around you. Does that make sense? I mean, you can be the life of the party even when your life stinks because you're like, man, what happened to you? Heather and Warren, it's your anniversary. Congratulations. I want to celebrate you. So if this weekend stinks for you, celebrate them because it's awesome. And there's a lot of other things. Abigail, Josh got married yesterday. Beautiful wedding. Andrew and Daisy, Davina here too from Singapore. It's awesome. Let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate that new life together in oneness, in holy matrimony. Many other celebrations across this sanctuary that if you need something to celebrate, grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea, and say, hey, what can I celebrate in your life? Great conversation starter. It's not about me. It's about the other people around me that I can celebrate. Maybe you didn't get the promotion, but they did. Maybe you didn't get what you were praying for, but their prayer was answered. Maybe you didn't get the Lord's healing touch, but they did. Celebrate it. In 1 Samuel, we find this story that gives us a great picture of this. We find two people, Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of King Saul. So if you are the son of the king and something happens to the king, what becomes of you? You become the king. Okay? Makes sense? Jonathan is the son of the king. What's his next role? He's going to be the king. The other player in the story is David, and David has just killed Goliath. And he's become this national hero. He's become, wow, David. Look at this guy. So if you have somebody that just became a national hero and you're the next in line to the throne, you are about to become king after your father, what potentially could that person be to you? An encouragement? No. A threat. They're a national hero. You're next in line. It could be a threat. But what, look what happens in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Think about it. He loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Repeated it twice in the scriptures. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing which was a robe of royalty, and he gave it to David, along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Jonathan is saying, I know I'm next to be in line, but I celebrate you. Man, that's a real friend. That's real friendship. I love you as much as I love myself, and I'm going to celebrate you and everything I have 
is yours. If you looked into chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, the last two verses of chapter 20, starting at verse 41. This is now at the end of the story. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. This is the last time they'll ever see each other on earth. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants now and forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back into the town to celebrate somebody else like that is an awesome friend. When you have the time invested in you, when you have the trust, when you have the unconditional acceptance and you celebrate, great things become to hap- begin to happen. And in fact, here's how Toy Story says it. As the years go by, our friendship will never die. You're going to see it's our destiny. You've got a friend in me. So what about the friendships in your life? Are you being that kind of friend? I hope so. I hope you can go out this week with intentionality to say, what is my God-given ability to go into all the world and make a difference? Sharing the love of God with all whom I come in contact with. To give them time, to give them unconditional acceptance and grace. To celebrate them from the small things to the big. But also, I want you to think about the way that Jesus has done this for you and I. The the way that Jesus is not only Lord and Savior, but friend. I want you to hear the Toy Story song in its entirety. But thinking it as if Jesus is saying these words to you. I want to be a friend. Would you welcome him? Watch this.